Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, February the 28th, 2023. It is currently 5.43 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Have you ever seen a picture? And as soon as you see that picture, you have thousands of words come to your mind and you want to express them and you want to talk about them. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. Do you find that to be true? You see a picture, you see a photograph and you're like, wow. And you could just talk about it. Maybe you could analyze it. Maybe something about the photography, maybe about the colors, maybe about the image that is captured. You could just talk and talk and talk and talk. Are you like that? Maybe, or maybe you just kind of, you see the picture, you see the photograph and you're kind of like, eh, whatever. If you know anything about me, you know, I'm very much like that. Even in the curriculum that we use for the Bible study exercise, whatever pictures or, or photographs they use in the curriculum, I'm always like, oh, stop, stop. Okay, what do you think that's trying to say? Why did they choose that image? What do you think that is supposed to, to represent? What do you think that picture is, is supposed to capture? Why do you think they used it on this page of the curriculum? I'm always trying to analyze those things to try to figure it out. I did the same thing with... Uh, I know this is dating me a little bit, but album covers, remember when you used to buy the LP and you know you held it? Okay, we still get album covers, but now they're on they're on your music streaming service. But even now, I like I like the artwork. I like the music streaming services that give me kind of a, a full screen picture of the artwork. I love that. Apple Music is good at that. Title uh, streaming service is good at that. They kind of give me a fuller picture of the artwork for either the single or the album itself. And I love to sit there and analyze it. So th- this it's very normal for me to see a picture and then want to talk about it and want to analyze it. Well, today I was reading a news article. And in the middle of this news article, there's a photograph that was taken of a minister inside a church. Now, here's a minister. He's a part of a denomination. That he's wearing a collar, but it, it doesn't look like a Catholic priest. He's got a robe. He's got, he's got the vestments on, but it doesn't look Greek Orthodox. It doesn't look Roman Catholic. So I had to do a little research. I'm like, oh, this is Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. This is a Lutheran minister. So there's a Lutheran minister. He's inside the sanctuary. It looks like a beautiful sanctuary. Um, he, uh, he, he looks like he's next to uh, the railing where people would come and kneel to take the Lord's Supper. It looks like he's right next to that. Behind him is like the altar. You can see uh, the the books for, for the liturgy. Uh, you see the candles, uh, a stained glass window behind him. Uh, he's wearing a white robe. It, it, everything, it, it looks like a very, very nice church. Probably have, you know, lots of, of, of money. Probably have lots of people. Looks like a, a nice, beautiful building. And there's the pastor. He's standing there. And he's holding a piece of paper. And on this paper, someone has written out and kind of like a maybe a purple or bluish kind of ink or marker. It's not black. So it looks kind of like maybe purple or bluish. I'm I'm doing my best to try to describe the picture for you. He's got both hands. He's holding the side of the paper. He's holding up towards the camera camera, and the the, the piece of paper that he's holding up in this picture says, 
Transphobia is a sin. Transphobia is a sin. Now, here's a minister inside a church, a Lutheran church, and he's holding up a piece of paper. If I said holding up a picture, I apologize. Holding up a picture in, he's holding up a paper, he's holding up a piece of paper in the picture, and it says transphobia is a sin. Transphobia is a sin. So here's a Lutheran pastor declaring to everyone, whoever sees this picture, the picture is posted on Instagram. So everyone on the gram, everyone on Instagram can see this picture of a Lutheran pastor holding up a piece of paper that says transphobia is a sin. He wants everyone to know that if you're transphobic, if you have transphobia, if, if, you, if you suffer from transphobia in any way, shape, or form, you are committing a sin. It is sinful. It is ungodly. It goes against God. Man, he's using the word sin, right? Sin means it's an affront to a holy God. You violated some scripture. So is transphobia a violation of scripture? That, that's an obvious question, right? Is transphobia a sin? Now, I'm going to read what's underneath this picture in just a minute. And I know immediately people are going to push back going, well, it's ELCA, that's the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. It's apostate. It's liberal. I understand. And this is ridiculous that anyone would even think transphobia is a sin. This, and, and I understand there's going to be pushback. But for me, when I saw the picture, my first thought wasn't, well, this is ridiculous. My first thought was, I wonder how frequently all of us You, yeah, I see you right there. You, me, we have a tendency to either declare something to be sin that actually isn't sin or declare something to be right that isn't actually right. How how well do you think we do as believers in actually declaring what is sin to be sin and 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 not declaring something to be sin that isn't sin. I wonder how or how often do we declare something not to be sin that is sinful? How well do we do with our declarations of this is sin and this is right and this is wrong? How well do you think we do? How biblically sound are we? I know in our minds we want to like, no, no, no. When I say something is a sin, I have the word of God behind me. And when I say something is right, I, I have the word of God behind me. So I I didn't want to just attack him or attack the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. I wanted to first look at myself and go, I bet you in my Christian life, I've tried to either use scripture to justify something that I shouldn't, use scripture to condemn something that shouldn't have actually been condemned. I know I've been guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. And And the reason we're all guilty of this is we have the word of God, which is outside of us. It's outside of us, right? And inside of us, we have a deceitful heart that's desperately wicked, right? We have a sinful nature, and that sinful nature doesn't always like what God has to say. And that sinful nature sometimes, sometimes will lead us to condemn things that aren't actually condemned. The Pharisees and the Sadducees did this. They, This is a sin. This is a sin. Like, no, the law doesn't actually condemn that. They added to. So I wonder how frequently we add sins that aren't sins and we remove sins that actually are sins. 
and and it's it's just interesting that someone will like transphobia is a sin. It's like, well, okay. What what do they mean by that? Well, let, let's do this. So before we read this, let's just start with a definition of transphobia. All right? Here's here's the definition of transphobia. Transphobia. Irrational fear. So irrational fear of aversion to or discrimination against transgender people. Irrational fear, so you have an irrational fear of them. Aversion, you, 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 you don't want to be around them because of this fear. Or you discriminate against them in some way, shape, or form. You want to deny them some kind of right. That would be transphobia. Now, is there any part of transphobia that you think could possibly equal a sin? Now, let, let's really think that, now, I, now listen, 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 okay? People are going to start yelling and screaming at me. Stay calm, take a deep breath. Let's not hyperventilate. Let's think this through. Is there any aspect of transphobia, as defined by Merriam-Webster, that could equal a sin according to Scripture? Now, just think, I want you to hear me. In other words, it could be possible, if, we, if we're really biblically sound on this, it could be possible that there are aspects of transphobia that would be sinful, but that would not obviously excuse homosexuality or anything like that. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, or, or, it wouldn't. In other words, you're not making a judgment whether trans, being a transgender is right or wrong. The issue is, is transphobia wrong? In other words, you could sit there and say, they're transgender, that is wrong, and you may think you have a good, sound, biblical argument, but is it possible, while you're condemning being transgender, you yourself could be guilty of transphobia, which, is it possible, could actually equal a sin? Now, I do know this, because we have an irrational fear, transphobia is defined, irrational fear, aversion. Now, the aversion is interesting, or discrimination. Here's what I do know. Someone is transgender. Here's what I do know the Bible calls me to do. It does call me to love them, right? I'm to love even my enemy. I'm to love my neighbor. Okay, okay good. Someone just said, I do not think it could be. I do think, I'm sorry. They didn't say, I do not. I do think it could be sin based on that definition. See, that's, that's, that's what I feel too. I feel like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're there like, hey, I have this irrational fear and I'm going to avoid you at all costs because you're, trans, you're transgender. I think that's a little transphobic. I think that's transphobia. And I think that's, that's getting very close to violating how we are to approach all people. We are to love even our enemy. We're to love our neighbor as ourself. And then when you want to discriminate against them, I mean, like, you got to be really careful where we take that, right? So is it possible? And I want to make it very, we could say homophobia. We could go with the same concept, right? In other words, you can condemn homosexuality like it's a sin. It's a sin. But do you have an irrational fear? You want to avoid them and you want to discriminate against them. At some point, does that rise to a level where you're now not showing love for your neighbor or for your enemy? How, how does that work where you don't cross this line? 
Now, see, now, typically in a Christian podcast, I wouldn't, you wouldn't approach the subject this way. You would be like, look at this a Lutheran pastor telling everyone that transphobia is a sin. How ridiculous, how liberal, how woke. And we would just go and condemn him. I understand that that's how typically Christian podcasts work, but I tend to go a little bit different. And I first want to look at myself and go, okay, now, first of all, he, he's calling something a sin. I don't know if it's a sin or not a sin, but am I guilty of calling something a sin that's not a sin or declaring something to not be a sin that is a sin? Okay, I think we've all been guilty of doing that in some way, shape, or form. I mean, if it was up to me, I say it all the time. If it was up to me, give me a pen, (laughs) not a pencil, give me a pen, and let me start just marking out everything that I prefer not to be a sin. I'll I'll get back with you in a couple of weeks, right? I'd be like, well, you know, let's just remove that. Let's just remove that. So I understand that desire to do that. I understand that desire. So on one hand, I can see why he obviously doesn't believe being a transgender is wrong in any way, shape, or form. So he is not going to focus on being transgender. He's going to focus on transphobia. But if you walk around with an irrational fear of someone, you you try to avoid them, and you want to discriminate against them, how does that fit with the biblical command to love your enemy? To love your neighbor as yourself. Now, someone will say, but, 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 but you can't compromise with sin. Let's just be fair. Let's just be fair. If you, have, if you believe someone being a transgender is a sin, if you believe that, okay, now just make sure you understand. Do you treat them the same way you treat everyone else who's a sinner? So now it gets to, no, this sin is worse than that sin. And I understand now we start this downward spiral of subjectivity and, and it gets really murky. But let's see what's said in, uh, in this picture, in this photograph, or well, I should say underneath this photograph. And this is from the Instagram page. Uh, so far, this picture has 1,612 likes. And whoever posted this says, this is my spouse. It's a pastor in the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, right? Here's what they say. As a leader in the church, it is critical that he declares that transphobia is a sin. It is critical that we both, as people of Christian faith, committed to justice and who love and care for transgender people, declare that not only is transphobia a sin, but transgender people are whole and holy. See, now we're going to get into, obviously, it's just amazing that this could come from the Lutheran church, right? Because what happened? What happened? But, you know, because sometimes people just throw out everything. Why they still want to maintain being a Lutheran, I don't know, but that's okay. So obviously not, no one is holy. We are all sinners. So I guess this takes plagiarism, plagiarism to a whole new level. I, I don't know. They go on to say, transphobia is a sin. Trans people are divine. Trans people exist because their ancestors exist. So being transphobic is a sin, but trans people are divine. Okay, well, I, I, I just, I'll just have to ask this question. Are adulterers divine? Are covetous people divine? Are fornicators divine? Are, like, like, I mean, if you want to go this direction, just let's just declare everyone holy, everyone divine, and I don't even know why Jesus even had to come to die. 
Because nobody is in sin. Why don't you just go all the way there? Let us call out and denounce the sin of transphobia in our communities and institutions and loudly, boldly, and joyfully proclaim that trans people are created in God's image to be their extraordinary selves. Well, I do believe all people are created in the image of God. I believe that image is severely marred uh, because of sin, right? There's an it, We are creating the image of God as a human being, but that image is marred because of the sin nature that we have in us, and we are sinners— um, and then it says, please consider participating uh, in today's transphobia is a sin campaign. All right. Transphobia is a sin campaign. Um, and then they say the co-editors of the Black Trans Prayer Book are hosting the fifth annual Transphobia is a Sin campaign. Why? To call attention to and to disrupt the religious violence trans people experience every day, especially those of us who are uh, black, brown, indigenous. When January the 15th, so this is old. I don't know why this showed up today. uh, And we want your help. And this is what you need to do. You need to take a photo of yourself with a sign saying one of the following lines. Transphobia is a sin. Transphobia is... Uh, harem, trans people are divine, trans people exist because our ancestors existed, and use the hashtag transphobia is a sin, post on social media January the 15th. All right, now, I don't know why this showed up in a news story today. See, is this from a news story today? Let me go, let me go back up. If I can get my iPad to work here. Hang on, here we go. Going all the way back to the top. This was posted today at 11.39 a.m. So it's a story from today. And it's, and it, well, you can read the whole story, but in the middle, they have this photograph of this Lutheran pastor holding this sign, or holding this piece of paper. I, I think that's the best way to put it, because I guess you could call it a sign because it's a piece of paper with something written on it. But you get the idea. It's just a piece of paper that someone had written on, which then serves as a sign. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to argue about the definition of what a sign is, okay? And it says transphobia is a sin. So what do we do? How do, should we think about all of this? I don't, I, I don't know if I have it all mapped out because my, my, what I had ready to go, I had my Bible open to John 4 because I wanted to do a little work for the Bible study exercise this week. That's what I wanted to do. I had my Bible right here ready to go, but I saw this. I'm like, well, you know, Theology Central podcast, we deal with theological issues. But let's, let's try to place it in this category, all right? Before, instead of naming the, let's, instead of naming the issue, transgenderism, homosexuality, before we even address the issue, let's at least ask ourselves this theological biblical question. Is it possible for you to be in sin and how you think, how you treat, and how you respond to sinners? Forget the sin. Like if we if we if we give the sin a name, then we we always try to kind of like, well, 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 well. I mean, for that sin, I'm going to treat them this way. Is it possible? At least we have to ask: Is it possible? Is it plausible? Is it probable that you, as a sinner, because you're a sinner, when you think, talk, treat other people who are in a sin, no, we're not excusing the sin, but you can do so in a sinful manner. 
I mean, I think we all know that someone can be in a sin and you're guilty of gossip and slander and maybe exposing someone's sin in a way that 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 is no, there's nothing godly about it. It's it's your own selfish agenda at play. And you're just trying to hurt someone and you're trying to s- destroy someone for your own selfish reasons. Can you treat someone who's in sin in a way that is sinful? Now, I think typically what we do is we feel relatively justified when we're talking about people who have committed some kind of really big, heinous sin. We feel like we can pretty much say anything, treat them any way, act any way we want because we have the moral higher ground because we haven't committed that sin. But I think we have to ask ourselves, in what ways in your Christian life have you treated people who've been in sin, guilty of sin, in a way that is absolutely ungodly? Look, all you have to do is just get on Christian social media and someone post an article about this pastor did this or this pastor did this or this person did this or this Christian did this. And immediately underneath it'll be like trash, garbage, sinners, heretic, apostate, never, never trusted them anyway. I always knew they were no good. I knew they were dirt and boom, boom. Boom, 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 just destroy, 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 destroy. And if you even try for a second to go, whoa, whoa, guys, 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 stop this. Immediately like, oh, you're justifying sin. Oh, I bet you're in sin too. What sin are you trying to hide? And it's like, uh, I think I'm just trying to go, guys, there's a way we treat sinners. Right? I mean, what, what, what should, how should we treat sinners? Am I, by no means am I saying we should excuse sin. But should there not be the, the, what we want for anyone who commits a sin or in sin of any kind, what we want is, right, repentance and restoration and, and help and, and, to, and, to, and to help them. I, I think sometimes we don't look at how we do treat other people who are in sin and we treat them in a very ungodly way. Now, I know we can go find scriptures and go, well, look at how Jesus talked to the Pharisees. Okay, well, let's, let's also be fair. That's Jesus. So if you, when you become eternal God, who's perfectly holy, by all means, go, go, go act like that. Okay, but because he, know, he can do so because his heart is pure and he's without sin. We are very, we have to be, ask ourselves, where's that line? Is it possible? Is it possible? Is it possible? I'm going to stress it again. Is it possible that you can treat someone who's in a sin? There's no, no one's excusing the sin, but you treat them. You treat the sinner in a sinful way. You act towards the sinner in a sinful way. You, you talk about them and think about them in a sinful way. So when, when we hear about transphobia, we immediately go, that's ridiculous. But is it possible that as Christians, we sometimes can treat, whether it's homosexual, transgender, whatever the case may be, we can treat them in a very ungodly way. That doesn't excuse any sin that they may be committing. It, would, it, would, it forces us to look at ourselves first. All right, so I, I want you to think about this. In fact, I'm going to grab... I'm going to reach over here. I got my book bag. I'm grabbing my my journal. And I'm grabbing a pencil. Grabbing a a pencil. Now, this is a mechanical pencil, which I'm not a big fan of, but okay. All right, so I'm I'm grabbing my journal. And I'm just going to write some of these down. So number one. 
Is it possible that we can sin and how we treat sinners? I think that's worth the price of admission for this podcast episode. Can we sin and how we treat sinners? And the obvious answer is yes, we can. And you need to ask yourself, so therefore, if you tra- if you treated someone who's transgender, have you treated them in a sinful way? Do you have some kind of ir- irrational fear and you avoid them and you almost want to discriminate against them? Now, some are going to say, no, 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 no. It's biblical to have fear. It's biblical to avoid them. It's biblical to discriminate against them. Well, then, is it rational to have fear over any sinner and to avoid all sinners and to discriminate against all sinners? Oh, including you, because you're a sinner too, if if you're not aware of that. So is it possible that we can sin and how we treat sinners? I think it's absolutely possible. Number two, we need to remember that we all We all have a tendency to add and subtract from Scripture. Right? So number one, is it possible... And I put it as a, I, I, I probably should just do it as a declarative statement. It is possible that we can sin and how we treat sinners. Number two, we all have a tendency to add and subtract from scripture. What do I mean by that? We have a tendency to hold up our own sign going, this is a sin, right? Listening to secular music is a sin. And you're like, well, where did you exactly come up with that? Hey, but it's not a sin to, and then and, and, and there's other things we excuse. We add and subtract. We all have a tendency to do this because of our own personal preferences, the way we were raised. Maybe sometimes it's even out of a good motivation. Uh, you could argue that the Pharisees really had good motivations in adding so many things to the word of God, right? Because they were afraid, here's God's law, but we've got to keep people from breaking them. So we need to set up all of these other rules to keep people a thousand miles from ever breaking the actual rule. Their motivation was good, but they were adding to the word of God. And in many cases, they were, they were adding to the word of God while they were plotting to kill an innocent person, right? Ultimately kill the eternal son of God. They couldn't see their own sin. So when I see this picture of a Lutheran minister holding up a sign saying, transphobia is a sin, I'm like, where did you come up with the fact that it's a sin? Now, what do you mean by that? Are you sure? Like, are you, are you ignoring other sins? But I have to then look at myself and go, how have I done this? All right. So is it possible that we can sin in how we treat sinners? And number two, are it is possible because I keep, I, I, I wrote it as a question first, but I think I'm going to do it more as a declarative. It is possible that we, that we can sin and how we treat sinners. And number two, we all have a tendency in some way, shape, or form to add and subtract from Scripture. I know I do it all the time. There's all kinds of things I want to say aren't a sin that are, 
There's there's things I I want to yeah. I mean, I go all over the place with that. We've all been guilty of it in some way, shape, or form. We got to ask ourselves that every time. What, like, if you could, what picture? What what? If, if you were to take a picture, what would piece of paper would you hold up saying this is a sin or this isn't a sin? What things would you list? Oh, come on. You know you have things deep down that you wish you could list. Okay, maybe I'm the only one. All right, number three. How do we want to write this? Do you think... I know I'm going to say this. This one I'm going to have to do more, and it's a question, because I don't want to be declarative on this one, because I don't know if I can be declarative. I think I could be declarative, but I but I think if I make if I say it in a declarative way, it's going to make people defensive and they're going to immediately argue with me instead of thinking through this. But let's ask this. In what ways do you feel the church has failed Sinned and hurt people guilty of, I'm just going to put LGBTQ plus sins. Oh, that's going to make me super popular today. Yeah, isn't that good? That's going to make me super popular. In what ways... Do you feel the church has failed, sinned, and hurt people guilty of LGBTQ plus sins? Please note, I'm still saying that those activities are sinful. I'm not excusing sin. But how in what ways have we, we've, I've, I've already declared that, and I believe it's a declarative statement and not a question. It is possible that we can sin in how we treat sinners. I think it's very true. I think it's very true that we can, we can sin in how we treat a sinner. There's no, there's no question about it. We can gossip. We can slander. We can, we can expose. Love covers a multitude of sins. It, it, it's, a, it's a wise person who conceals a matter. It's the fool who just opens their mouth and tries to destroy as many people as possible. There's a way to handle something. There's a wrong way to handle it because everyone's got sin and everyone, there's a way to conduct ourselves. We all have a tendency to add and subtract from scripture. We do. And then number three, and what ways do you feel the church has failed, has failed, sinned, and hurt people who have who are guilty of LGBTQ plus sins? And what ways do you think the church has failed and hurt people in these sins? Now I know some of you will be like, absolutely, we've done nothing wrong. But I mean, come on. I think there's a lot of ways we've hurt people. I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I really want to, I don't know if I want to name any right now. I just want to kind of leave this for you. I just want to place it in your, uh, again, I'm almost doing this like a today's focus podcast episode. I, I, today we talked about the disappearing offering plate. Okay. And I kind of, I kind of stumbled through that, but that's okay. That's okay. I, I wanted to stumble through it because I was still trying to process that. And I am still thinking about, man, how does the church going to operate in this kind of new world? Right. But at the same time, look, I don't know if you realize this. Oh, where was the study? Where was the study? Um, 
the number of people who now identify as LGBTQ plus, where was that number? Oh, I don't know if I have it. Um, let me see. Was it on? Where was it? Let me see if I can find it. Um, give me a second. Okay, no, that's not it. All right. Um, yeah, it was some, it was a very high number, especially of a certain generation. I can't find it right now. If I find it, we'll, we'll, we'll do another broadcast. But it was a percentage of how many people today identify as LGBTQ+, especially in the younger generation, like Gen Z. I think Gen Z was like, it, I, th- I want to say it was like 20%, but it's a number. And if I, if I give a number, it's going to be categorically wrong. But it was, I wish I could find the article, but I think it was like 20% of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ+. And I was like, whoa, that's a big number. Now, I don't know. I don't know. Again, when they say they identify... You know, it's, it's you can get into all kinds of arguments. Are they identifying this as a show of solidarity or do they really perceive themselves and engaging in that type of sexuality? Like what's going on? But the point is we're living in a world where these quote unquote sins are going to become more and more prominent in society. Now, how are you going to treat these sinners? How are you going to treat all sinners? And I find it bizarre that the way the church has already, I'll just give you one example of how I believe the church has hurt people in this world. The, the, the church, this is the way they treat it. Okay, you are LGBTQ+, whichever, whichever one they identify as, whichever one that they're engaged in that lifestyle. And this is basically the way we, we preach. You want Jesus? Stop that lifestyle. Then you can come to Jesus. Come to Je- And then that we, what we claim is when you come to Jesus, that desire will go completely away. Uh. Okay, someone said this, uh, hyper-focus is harmful, I think. Also, uh, the Amaro controversy, uh, must one forsake sin before coming to Christ? Answer yes, and cause unnecessary hurdles. Absolutely. Well, yeah, there's a lot going on here. So, uh, but I, I and, and I agree with all of that, but let me, let me try to articulate this where I'm going, because I, 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 I know that what I'm about to say is going to be controversial, but I, I'm going to go ahead and articulate it anyway. Part, one of the reasons... Uh, okay. Yeah. Someone just said, you just said the same thing. Yeah. We, I think I was saying it as they were typing it. So we were, we were thinking the same thing. Okay. But here we go. I feel that the church approaches people of LGBTQ sin. We'll just call it LGBTQ plus sin. We approach it from this perspective. You want Jesus, you stop it. You never do it. You never think it. And, and that, and, and you come to Jesus and when you come to Jesus, guess what? You're no longer LGBTQ plus that desire will just magically go away. One day you are, you are attracted to the same sex. You become a Christian. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, she's pretty. Oh, and all, and that's the way we almost preach it. Right. The only problem is it's weird that we preach that we preach the gospel that way to them, but every other sinner we're like, come to Jesus. Right. We may even say, you've got to forsake your sin. But we all know they're still going to struggle with that sin, right? If you if you have a seventeen year old, two seventeen year olds who become saved and they're heterosexual, it doesn't mean they get saved and the next day they're like, I have no desire for premarital sex. Don't even think about it. Don't even desire it. I have it's just it just magically went away. You know that's not true. They're going to be struggling with that boundary of not committing premarital sex in thought, word, and deed, and desire. 
probably close to 24 hours a day. Okay. They're, they're going to struggle with it. So why would we, why do we place an expectation on the LGBTQ that we don't place on the heterosexual? Heterosexuals get saved and they still struggle with sexual sin, sexual desire, pornography, lust. They get, uh, heterosexuals get saved and struggle with covetousness and lying and slander and gossip and unsubmissiveness and anger and bitterness and wrath over all of it. But with LGBTQ+, our way of approaching it is, you want Jesus? Stop doing it. Come to Jesus, and then you'll never want to do it again. Because if you even have the desire, we preach it that basically, basically how many churches preach it, you're not saved. I think that's hurtful. I think that's damaging. Now, the key is you can't engage in the action because, yes, it's sin. And lust about it is sin. But that's the same way we would preach it to a heterosexual. So let me go through these things. I want to write down a fourth one. But but yeah, I mean, this, this, this becomes majorly problematic. So number one, is it possible that we can sin and how we treat sinners? And I'm saying absolutely dogmatically it is. Absolutely dogmatically, we can, we can hurt people. We can, we can actually sin in how we treat sinners. And think about the way you've sinned against people who've committed sin. Think about it. Gossip, slander, talk about the person over and over and over. Talk more about the person than you ever did to try to help the person. Oh, I'm very aware of that. Oh, he committed this sin. And talk, 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 gossip, 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 gossip. And nobody shows up to help you. Though Sometimes if you ever fall into any scandalous or big sin, don't look, don't, most of the time, don't look to Christians to come pick you up. Just, just, just all you got to do is when your ears start burning, knowing they're somewhere talking about you. Number two, we all have a tendency to add and subtract from Scripture. Now, this is where I do get frustrated with many who claim to be Christians or are part of the LGBTQ community because they, for some reason, want anything that would make them feel guilty to be removed from Scripture. And, I'm, and I always get frustrated. I'm like, well, wait, wait, wait. If you want to remove anything that would possibly condemn your sexuality, then I'm going to remove anything that would possibly condemn my sexual desires. So then you can't condemn mine and I can't condemn. So then no, anyone can just have sex with whoever they want, however they want, with as many people as they want. And, and no, there's no sin. But it's weird. Like, no, 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 no. No, just, just LGBTQ. But, but, but no, you, you, we're still going to condemn adultery. Well, wait a minute. Well, why? So sometimes I get frustrated with the LGBTQ community there. Look, if you want to come to Christ and you want to, that's fine. But just understand the Bible has all kinds of laws that condemn us. And we have to acknowledge it condemns us. Repent of that. Turn to Christ. Change our mind about how we think about it. Come to Christ for salvation. Understanding it's only the imputed righteousness. And strive in every way we can, no matter how imperfect it may be, to live a godly life. And then number three, in what ways do you feel the church has failed, sinned, and hurt people given over to LGBTQ plus sins? There you have it. There's far far more I want to say, but it all started with a picture. <laughs> I saw the picture of a Lutheran pastor holding 
piece of paper that says transphobia is a sin. Immediately I was convicted myself going, man, there's a lot of pieces of paper I would like to hold up today going, this is not a sin. Just leave me alone. There, there's, there's plenty of those I would like to hold up. Oh, come on. So would you. So I felt guilt that I, I could do the same thing. But then it started making me think of just everything about, well, transphobia. Could I be guilty of transphobia? I don't, I don't, I know I have no fear and I know I have no aversion to anyone who's transgender at all. No problem. They can come to my house anytime. No problem. I have no worry, no concern, no fear, nothing. Doesn't bother me in any way, shape or form. And I definitely don't want them discriminated against. Now, that leads to a whole host of social issues, I do know. I don't want them discriminated against, but that does lead to issues like how to, how, what, what's considered discrimination and what's considered how, how is it supposed to work in a society, right? You know where we're going with this, right? Someone who's transgender, like, if, if, especially if, if they're just identifying, like it's a male identifying as a woman, for example, this is true in, uh, I can't remember which prisons that this is true of, but there's some prisons where a man has identified as a female. He's now in prison with women inmates. He's clearly a man. He's not gone through any surgical transition at all. He's clearly a man and he's in a prison with nothing but women. I, okay. Now, now, okay. I don't think saying, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I don't think that's discrimination. I don't think that's discrimination. Again, uh, men, some, a man identifying as a woman, not going, not gone through any transition, competing against women in a sport. Like there, there, there are certain things there that, yeah, we have to work through. Now, sometimes in the LGBTQ community, and if you have any hesitation immediately, you're transphobic. And I'm like, I, no, 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 no. There's nothing has to do with transphobia. This has something to do with, wait, how do we respect everyone's rights? If you go to a gym and there's a women's locker room and the women are in there showering, can I just say I identify as a woman and walk in that locker room? I, that's, that's not about, that's trying to, to be fair to, how do we work that for everyone? Especially, again, if the guy has not gone through any transition, no surgery, no modification, then I, I, I yeah, that, I, think, I think those are quite, see, I, I think it's fair to ask those questions and struggle with that. I don't think that makes you transphobic, but I think that there is a way that you can treat them that is not loving your neighbor and not loving your enemy, and that would be sinful. But we we can put our heads in the sand, and I, I think what some churches just want to do is just scream at it and go, "It's wrong! It's a sin!" You know, you're perverts. That kind of thing. And not go, well, wait a minute, how, do we, how, we, how are we going to approach this? What's a biblical way to approach this where, one, we show love, two, we maintain scripture and biblical standards, and three, we're in a position where we can minister to people according to scripture, not compromising. I don't want compromise. How are we going to think these through? And I think sometimes the church makes horrible mistakes on this. I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. I'll end with this. It was somewhere in the 1990s. I don't remember which year. It was around, I don't know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning. 
we were in the orthopedics waiting room. I think it was the orthopedic clinic. Orthopedic clinic. I worked in a uh, hospital. Um, I was what's called a non-commissioned officer of the day. Um, so all the clinics are closed. The only thing that's open is the inpatient wards upstairs and like OB, the labor and delivery ward um, and some inpatient wards, uh, mental health, and then the emergency room. Everything else in the hospital is closed down. But it's about 2 or 3 in the morning. And in the waiting area of orthopedics, there's a television. So my office is right across the hallway from orthopedics. So I'm, I'm kind of over there, keep going over there looking at what's on television. And I think news was on. And one of the doctors came down, and we're standing there in the, in the dark watching television. And they say something about like um, – because there was some big thing on the news about our homosexuals born gay, right? That kind of thing. Our homosexuals born this way. And he, he was trying to try to make some kind of argument. And, and I think he was trying to approach it from like a Christian perspective going, that's ridiculous. There's absolutely no way. And he's like, what do you think? And I was like, what, like, why, why would you have this argument? Like, why are you fighting this? Because here's the thing, born that way or not born this way, the activity is still condemned. How do I know this? I'm born a sinner. Any sin I commit is still a sin, even though I'm born, I'm born a sinner. I'm born totally depraved. I, I did not become a sinner by sinning, but I sinned because I'm a sinner. So I was already a sinner before I ever committed the act. So I could walk around going, well, I was born this way. Well, we don't give that, that has no bearing on any of us. We're all born sinners, but our sin is condemned. So whether they're born gay or not born gay is irrelevant. I don't know why Christians tried to fight that. Once again, it's such a weird battle to fight. Okay, fine, you're born that way. I have no way to know. It's impossible to know, right? And you and you can say, well, it, it's it's impossible, you know, that, that they're born that way. Well, I don't know why argument you're trying to make, because if you're saying that they weren't born that way, if you're saying it's impossible for them born that way, then you're telling me they chose to be that way, meaning that you could choose to be that way or I could choose to be that way. And I don't know about you, I can't choose to be that way. And when it comes to human sexuality, nobody could truly understand why some people like this and some people like this and some people are attracted to this. No, it's it's a complicated thing. So why are we fighting and yelling and screaming? Because at that time in the 90s, Christians were yelling and screaming, you're not born that way. And they're trying to quote scientific studies. And then the homosexuals are trying to quote uh, scientific studies. And I'm like, does anybody remember the doctrine of human depravity? We're all born sinners, yet the sin is still condemned. So even if they're born that way, the action would still be condemned because the Bible condemns the action. I'm born a heterosexual with heterosexual desires and heterosexual needs. Yet the Bible says I can only engage and satisfy those needs in very specific parameters. The fact that I was born with those desires and needs, the Bible doesn't seem too worried about. It still says this is the appropriate time and this is not the appropriate time. The Bible doesn't care. So I like to me, we, the church got, we, we, we jump into these battles and sometimes I don't even know what we're fighting. I'm like, if, 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 a, if a homosexual tells me I was born that way, I'm like, I'm not going to argue with that. I don't know. I have no way of knowing. I don't know what was going on inside of you. Okay. Now, are you interested in Christianity? Well, yes. Okay. Well, Christianity says you're born a sinner. And because you're born a sinner, you're going to want to sin and you're going to sin. But that sin is condemned. And guess what sin is condemned along with all the other sins? 
Homosexuality is condemned as, as along with fornication, adultery, lust, pornography. We can go on and on and on. Uh, covetousness, uh, murder, hatred, bitterness, unloving. I, I can go selfishness uh, all day long. It's just it's it's just condemned as the other. And you know what you need? You need Christ. You need to acknowledge. You need to change your mind about Christ and about the fact that that is a sin. You need to turn to Christ because you are a sinner. And the only thing that will save you is the finished work of Jesus Christ. And by faith, his perfect righteousness is imputed to you and you will be saved and you will be declared holy in his sight. And then from that point forward, you have to try to walk and live according to scripture, but it's going to be a struggle. There's going to be ups and downs and you're going to fall. And guess what? That desire may never, ever go away. And you would have to then choose to be celibate for the rest of your life if you want to be in obedience to Scripture. Just like if a heterosexual doesn't get married, they're called to be celibate. But Christians got caught off, caught off over here fighting these battles. I'm like, why are we fighting these battles? Why? Why? And then many Christians, the way they treated homosexuals was an absolute abomination to anything that is godly and the way they talked about them, how pastors would mock them. Have you ever seen those sermons where the pastor mocks, you know, talks in a voice like he's gay or makes a little limp wrist sign? And it's like, what in the world is happening in preaching? You're not showing love to the people. You're talking derogatory and hateful towards someone because they're committing a sin different than your sin, but you're talking about them in a sinful way. I remember my church in Nebraska, there was a guest speaker who spoke and he talked about walking down the street and homosexuals and he talked about bashing their heads in was I think the exact phrase used. I think that was the exact phrase. I don't have the audio recording. And I just remember I was so upset. I was so frustrated by it that I had to talk to the pastor about it. And there was an apology given, but it was almost a mocking apology. Somebody, someone here was a little upset by what was said. No, that it was wrong. It was sinful. Look, if you want to condemn homosexuality, condemn when someone talks about bashing their heads in. Let's talk about that sin. There you go. 50 minutes because of one photograph. Yeah. If I, if, I, if I did as many recordings as I really wanted to do in a day, just, uh, yeah. I don't know if the quality would ever get any better, but there, there would be far more quantity because there's always so much to talk about. But I, I hope you'll give that some thought. I know that's going to be somewhat controversial, um, but there you go. You can email me your thoughts and disagreements to newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.